Welcome to the Gardener's Podcast. My name is Darren Galindo, and I'm joined today by friends of mine, Pastor Darren, Daniel, and Amy. Welcome. Hello. Hey. Hi, guys. <laughs> We're having so much fun already. Yes, this is a great, a great experience so far. Why are we here? Daniel, we started a new sermon series. What's it called? We did. It's called Jesus People. Jesus so, People. Yeah, right now we're talking about what does it mean to, like we're learning about who Jesus was as a person. Um, what does it mean for us to look like Jesus? Something I've been thinking about a lot with this, and I know we're going to dive into all of this, is like we don't know what Jesus actually looked like as a person. Um, so when we talk about like what does Jesus look like in us, it's like how we act, how we live. And so, yeah, that's what we're talking about right now. Darren, is that accurate? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Okay. I love it. <laughs> Does that pass the test? Yeah, that's good. That counts. Um, Amy, as the youth pastor, like, what are some thoughts that you have with with bringing a topic like this to the forefront in our community? The idea of the series in general, Jesus People. Yes. I think bringing a series like this is something really practical that we can invite young people into, like, experiencing um, abundant life. Like, if we want joy and freedom, then looking at the life of Jesus is the best way to to do that. So, I'm excited for it. And we have our high schoolers sitting in service, so they're hearing it and participating in it. So good. Darren, what are you most excited about with getting into this series? Yeah, I think... After leading our church for the last 15 years and thinking through what it means to be a disciple for the last 20, I have tried all the different books, Renovation of the Heart, Good and Beautiful God series, John Mark's Practicing the Way, even though it's still coming out. We have taught through so many celebration of discipline, so many different ways of approaching um, discipleship. I really felt a sense of urgency to present this series as a different way of approaching discipleship, integrating teaching practices, characteristics of the spirit and of Jesus in a way that feels timely as we are heading into a season that's going to be polarized and contested. Um, it's the election cycle, knowing that people are going to be divided, but putting Jesus at the center of our teaching, at the center of our church, which he should be, um, but then giving people practical ways of embodying his character, his lifestyle habits, his ideas about life and narratives of theology. So the integration of all of that with the power of the Holy Spirit, I just feel like it's timely. Um, and I'm really excited for a church, our church, to look more like Jesus. I think that the, that's what the world needs. Yeah. You have this phrase that I want you to articulate and, and maybe unpack a little bit, um, the difference between just doing the practices for in and of themselves mm-hmm and the deeper thing that we're forming our hearts towards as we do the practices. Can you can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think the idea in general is looking at culture where our culture is obsessed with um, what I'll call like disciplines in general. There's an obsession with like discipline equals freedom. And in the church world, we've done spiritual formation, but what's been neglected in the process of spiritual formation, which definition is the, the process of becoming more like Jesus, spiritual formation. So the the kind of the old uh, traditional word would be the sanctification process, like becoming like Jesus. But what we've done in our cultural moment, in our church context, is we've taken disciplines and we've separated the works that we do through the power of grace without the Holy Spirit. So we just take on these habits like fasting and meditation and quiet time or like solitude and silence. And we think if I just do these things by themselves, I will experience change. And the reality is you won't. And I think I've seen that in the church the last several years, an emphasis in that. Um, And so what I have been emphasizing is that the point of 
spiritual disciplines is to partner with God, the Holy Spirit, for the sake of union with Christ. So the goal isn't the practice itself. That's a great mechanism, a tool. It's a means. The goal is union with God and Christ-likeness. But what we need is the integration of the practices with the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I love that. Daniel, what are your what are your thoughts when you're listening to like the, the step beyond just the practices? The step beyond the practices in what way do you mean? Sorry. Like just like a, a lot of people can get so focused on I'm resting or my Sabbath or my boundaries, but then the, there's no power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I think there's like... Uh, in like the swing of the pendulum, there's people who we will get too caught up on one end of the thing. And so I feel like I've seen it with a lot of people in my like generation, um, that like we want so badly for everything to change. And so we think it has to be tomorrow and it has to be everything right now. Um, something myself, like I always experience, even like this talk we had this last Sunday of like, okay, so I have to like be alone always be on silence and solitude. And so what is cool about it is there's this invitation from God of like, I actually want to show you like my fullness here and here in all of these different places through discipline, through not discipline, through grace, um, which I think some of us have a hard time understanding because, and we've talked about this, but like, we think we have to perform our way into God's love. And so disciplines are an easy way to get that uh, because we're afraid we might not have it otherwise, which is a bummer. You have something to add to that. I just was thinking of like the gift in that, like the desire to have practices to shape you to become more like Jesus in some ways, like just reveals like the desire for change and the desire for like dissatisfaction that we see in culture and in ourselves. Like, so in, it's almost like it's doing the right thing, but for the wrong reason in a way, like, right. What I think what, what I see is it is a pendulum and there's an overemphasis or an underemphasis on one. So we, where the, in the charismatic circle, it would be don't do any disciplines, just come to the gathering, get zapped by the Holy Spirit. You know, it's like, that's going to bring change. And the reality is we believe that. We believe the Holy Spirit will radically do things in prayer moments and and in moments that can change people's lives a hundred percent. But, and in the same way, we want to see people adopt the lifestyle habits of Jesus to shape their being. But, and then the reality, those practices can shape the being shape who you become because you are what you do over and over again without thinking about it. You are what your habits are. But when you divorce the two, which what is what we've seen, when you overemphasize or underemphasize one, you miss what God can really do. Like Dallas Willard says, um, grace isn't opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the key thing with disciplines. It's like, this is not for performance. It's for union. And this is not how we earn our way to God. Um, it's how we partner with God in becoming like Jesus. That's that's kind of the main thing behind yeah. the discipline part of the series. And this last discipline, this last Sunday, there was silence and solitude uh, in a sermon titled The Secret Place, which if you're following our main podcast, that's the Garden Church podcast, please subscribe. Tell me a little bit about why silence and solitude is important for yeah. individuals. Well, in, in general, in the same way, that your body is the container for your soul, your spirit, your emotions. Like I made this statement, like that's the container for the spiritual life. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have to see silence and solitude as like the primary way that you will get access to God. So what I mean by that is you have to 
if you just lived your life without intentionally creating space to listen to God, to pray, to read scripture too fast, to um, uh, pay attention to what your your body feels or, or to worship, if everything's connected to other people, you lose the, uh, the important space where God forms you in um, the secret place. So for me, there, there's so many reasons you should do it, but one is that there, there's a clear rhythm of Jesus's life recorded through the gospels. In each of the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see Jesus's relationship with this solitary place, the secret place where he's alone with God. So if that's all we read, we would say it's clearly important enough that the, the writers of the New Testament included this ongoing rhythm of his life where there was a crowd, there was ministry, but then he withdrew into a solitary place. So just modeling our lives after the habits of Jesus, this is one thing that he did and it's repeated, we should do it. And you guys can chime in here because um, something that I experienced when I was talking with uh, my house church about the, the concept of silence and solitude is we realized you know, on the spectrum of introvert versus extrovert, the introverts are kind of doing the silence and solitude naturally. Like I'm, I'm pretty introverted. So when I'm in a group of people, like I just want to get away. And so I'm not always thinking like, oh, I need to be by myself. Um, how do you see that dynamic play out uh, as far as people that may need to think more about silence and solitude as a practice, as opposed to leaning more into the corporate gathering? Well, I think we have a lot of extroverts around this table. So it's something that in my own life has been a journey of silence and solitude. Um, I think I used to think of it in the sense and where it kind of like woke me up where I was like, I actually need to step into this a little more is getting alone with God. And some people might have this experience where it feels like, oh, this is a friend that like I only hang out with in groups. And so once you get by yourselves, it's like kind of awkward. You're like, I don't know what to talk about with you anymore. Yeah. Um, And I think... I'll say in my own experience, one of the things was like, it had always been too long since the last time we sat down together and had time for God to speak to me, all these things. And so I think sometimes the fear is that what you're going to hear is going to be something so intense that you're not ready for, not ready to engage with. Again, the swinging of the pendulum, you're going to, you fear you're going to hear God say, I have to change my life tomorrow. Everything you're doing is wrong, which is just not true. And I think that's something we were talking about the other day on Sunday of after Jesus was baptized, before he went and did his ministry and stuff, he heard God say, you're my son whom I'm well pleased, which I think is so huge to remember as it goes into calling identity, all those things. I loved that you framed it as the secret place, Darren, because I think when I hear silence and solitude, it does sound like a little bit more of a discipline in the sense where I have an expectation for like what that looks like and there's steps and I got to follow the right steps and it needs to be like an environment that um, is conducive to like silence and solitude. But the idea of a secret place is is the truth that like God is accessible everywhere. And so that secret place could be in the car as you're driving or it could be you know you wake up early and the the kids are around but you get 10 minutes alone or um i just thought that was such a beautiful way to frame it right yeah i think it's interesting because we talked about personality on the uh on sunday like your personality will will probably draw you into this practice or you know cause you to not want to practice it and i'm very extroverted but as i've gotten older i've become I have found the need for alone time with God. And I think for me, 
I actually chose the secret place mainly because of that passage in Matthew. And because like you said, there's this weird like stoic philosophy around silence and solitude where it feels so like uh, monastic, religious, like not that there's anything wrong with monasticism or any of those things. But I think actually like we have to see it as something to look forward to. Like, so for me, probably my favorite part of the day is the early morning time alone with God. And it's, it's something I've cultivated for years. I mean, I tell, I told this to everyone on Sunday, but I took a spiritual disciplines class that pastor Bill taught at Vanguard university when I was 19 years old. So at 19 years old, I was introduced to Richard Foster, Dallas Willard, Henry Nowen, Mm -hmm. spiritual desert, desert fathers. And we had to take we had to do quiet time every week uh, or every day. We had to do journaling. We had to do fasts. We have to do silence retreat where we had to do 24 hours of not talking. And as a 19 year old, you're like, what the heck? So we put like signs on our chest. Like I'm doing a silent retreat at the calf. You yeah, remember that? It was so, it was so awkward. <laughs> like, dying. but, but it's, here, here's that example where uh, imagine if our youth, you know, or your kids are learning quiet time, that this is how you connect with God. And you have this secret place to, to form deep relationship where you can be fully yourself and be fully known and to know God fully. And when you have the right view of God, which is what you're getting at, like people go there thinking God's angry. He's a principal who's going to be mean to me or waiting for me to mess up versus he is just adoring you. And he wants to pour over you his, your belovedness and remind you of your identity. Like that happens in the secret place. That, that, that's what mostly happens in the secret place. And most Christians are so busy and so hurried and are so tired and exhausted. They don't have time to find that place into, I, I was using that example and it was probably not hitting well, but like carving into granite, the solitude spit, like the secret mm-hmm. place. Like you have to carve time and make it happen for your life. So sometimes that's like 4.30 AM for me. I know for you, it's probably like, you know, one in the morning when you go to bed or whatever day. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> one in the morning. With all your friends, never. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. No, not at all. You, you, you were making a joke about, you know, signs over your, over your neck and then, you know, I'm practicing silence to me. I'm like, what a great excuse to not talk to people as an introvert. Exactly. But but my face says that usually. Let me lean into that for just a second because, um, as an introvert and I'm naturally gravitating towards like my alone time and, and, and I want, you know, to hear nothing. I just want space and, and, and nobody talking. I'm not worried about talking at all. Um, sometimes I can confuse silence and solitude from what it looks like as, oh, I was alone. Therefore I spent time with God. Mm -hmm. And I think for, for an extrovert, that's like, oh, you know, corporate gatherings. I love jumping around and singing, but let me go to the wilderness because I'm with God for the introvert. They're like, I did that yesterday three times. Like, and I didn't meet God. What am I doing wrong? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I think there is a difference between being alone and then being alone with God. There's a difference between solitude or loneliness, as we talked about, and intentional space where you're encountering God. I would say it's set, it's determined, it's uh, practiced as like a time dedicated. I love Abraham Heschel talks about in his book on the Sabbath. He says that uh, Sabbath is like building a cathedral of time. And so if you think in the same way, silence and solitude, like you're, you're literally creating a space separate from what, what, what would be naturally quote unquote filling you up, like going, yes, you should go out into the, you know, be alone with God in nature, hundred percent, you'll connect with God. But what we're talking about is a regular rhythm of 
withdraw to be alone with God. That's the pur- the purpose isn't you're filling up time where you're getting away from the kids and the chaos of the day. It's the purpose. Is that a plane? I love it that we have a plane going. Uh, your purpose is uh, to be with God as a beloved. So that would be the difference, right? So it's intentional and there's space. And we talked about what to do in that space. So there's some parameters around that. What are what are some ways that you guys have in your imaginations materialize Jesus with you in that in that quiet space like i know for me one of the helpful practices because i'm so imaginative because i get distracted really easy and because i'm i feel like i need to be by myself more often than most people i can get away with silence and solitude without connecting or when i'm praying it feels like oh like th- i'm paying my dues this is work um but one of the things that i started doing was smiling as i'm praying because I'm trying to treat God like I'm face to face and I'm happy to be around him. What, what are some ways that you guys have achieved just the, the presence and feeling like you're in the presence of God? I feel like it's changed a lot for me through the years because for a long time, I think it had to be creating the whole environment. Like the lighting had to be just right. The right song had to be on. I had to have a certain amount of energy in me. Yes, the all of those things. Just right. Yeah. And so truly what it's been sometimes is like even knowing like I can't even play music on my phone because there's the urge to go and to grab it. And so I think like saying like, God, like we're just here together and we're just going to sit. I, I picture it sometimes as like, we're sitting on my bed just like eye to eye. How long can we go with this eye contact? And usually I'm the first one to look away and I'm like, stop. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think in that sense of like, you're here in the room with me. And again, it's not about like, what do I have to do from this? I think that's my own personal thing, but I think a lot of people experience of like everything, every encounter with God thinks like he wants you to go do something from it. Again, he might just be like pouring his love out on you. And so I think that's what those spaces are for me sometimes. Hmm. Anything to add? I think for me, it is just practically like constantly bringing my attention and my focus back to Jesus. And there's a lightness, I think, because usually I'll find those moments, um, even like while I'm doing the dishes or out on walks or um, I, in this season of life, like don't have like an, I mean, I could possibly get up at 4.30 a.m. for sure. Um, But these, um, but then there is a possibility that a baby would also be up at 4.30 a.m. But um, it's not these like long extended periods right now in this season. It's like short, um, like probably 100, one minute moments versus um, like a long time. So for me, it's just constantly bringing my attention into what it is that, um, that I'm doing, bringing that back to Jesus. That's so good. We should come back and talk about stage of life and like, how do moms with little ones or dads with little ones do this practice? Because that's a really excellent point. Like I can recall when Ezra was a baby walking the stroller at four 30 in the morning with my iPhone, like, you know, strapped in my, my AirPods and, I would uh, walk around the city of Long Beach, you know, keeping him asleep away from Alex so she could sleep. And that quiet time season looked very different. That solitude time, you know, if you call it that, but it is, um, looks different now. But to your point, like imagination wise, like I think that's such a beautiful thing to include, Darren. Like I love some of the theology behind Eastern Orthodoxy and icons. Like I know a lot of Christians are gonna be like, what is that? You know, but these, even over here, I have a picture of a modern icon and 
uh, just this idea of like these, these are pictures of grace in heaven, like windows that allow your imagination and beauty to form what you think. Like I remember when I was a little kid worshiping and for whatever reason, I, I saw in my imagination Jesus dancing in our like tiny little church to the worship we were singing. And I, that always comes to me. So like we're at church and I just imagine like the, the most religious picture of Jesus in a robe, like in a sash, like dancing up and down the aisles, like <laughs> just like joyfully enjoying our worship. What, what's the movie Evan Almighty the, at the end? Yes. And he's dancing like all yeah. silly. Yeah. And it's like, my wife loves that so much totally. because it's such a tangible, relatable image. But then you're like, that's God. And yes. that's how he feels. He wants to be silly with us. A hundred percent. And I think like for, so I, I have this imagination. So I think of, you know, when I've had in, encounters with God at home, it's like washing dishes. It's uh, taking a shower. It's going on a run. It's with my kids. Um, and honestly, it's funny because the more I've learned about Jesus now, the less religious he is. So when I was younger, trying to like start a church and I, I just saw him like this urgent missionary, like, you know, carrying bags up the hill and like charging things in it's, you know, and there's some truth to that because he was, you know, had a mission. He has a mission now, but I, you know, when I think about Dallas Willard saying the word that he would describe Jesus as is relaxed, mm -hmm. that is the farthest thing from my mind most of the time. So now when I'm, when I'm alone with God, I often see him as like, Oh man, this is recorded going out to everyone, but I see him like a hippie surfer, right? And just totally relaxed, not in a hurry, enjoying the company, like sipping his tea or whatever. He's probably drinking pour over coffee and um, just enjoying it. So I literally see that regularly. Like, and, and I see the activities of reading scripture and journaling and just, you know, I sit on my couch and I, I don't, I have the lights dim and I, I just read scripture, I pray, I worship, I do all these things, but I just imagine him there like that. And I, I think that's a great, I didn't talk about it in the sermon. But to use your imagination like that is such a powerful tool to like have an accurate view of Jesus. Like some of you are probably listening going, if I were to close my eyes and imagine Jesus, you don't see a relaxed surfer hippie who's enjoying your presence or what, you know, you see a, a drill sergeant or you see an angry father or you see like an, an absent deity, you know, um, or yeah, yeah. Like making it really yeah. serious versus like someone who's playful and probably wanting to crack a joke while you're praying a serious prayer. Like that's how I think we need that, that image. I think that's a really good point. Yeah, for sure. Um, I did want to touch real quick on uh, the concept of distractions. So, uh, I mean, I never get distracted when I'm praying, but no, I'm kidding. I always get distracted. My freaking imagination is like, you know, the kids this and, you know, writing a story here and like, is that bubble gum on the floor and squirrel. a squirrel? How do you guys navigate distractions? I get distracted so easily, but I think to the point, like in the morning, there's less distractions. I'm not checking my emails. I'm not getting online. I'm not doing any of that. I'm connecting with God before. There's ways like... Proactive. If you don't want to get distracted by your phone, like yeah. leave your phone leave by your, your phone bed away. and yeah. go away from it. Yeah. Like those are helpful. Yeah. Tools. Tips. So like, yeah, don't, don't look at your phone before you do quiet time, make coffee, sit down, grab your scriptures and, and go. But also like, so that depends. So for me, that's a great point. Like because it's sacred space, like I'm carving out a secret place with the Lord, there are limitations to what goes into that. So you're not bringing in your kids to that moment for some of us. Like we have to get up early or stay up late. Mm -hmm. We have to get rid of the the TV and on and, and the phone accessibility or, or the roommate situation. Like if they're like watching Netflix in the other room with it loud, like you're going to have a harder time connecting. So 
get rid of all of those things for sure. Yeah. Otherwise, I mean, how many times can you be reading the Bible in a year on your phone? Text comes in. Now you're texting, and then you, it's about the weekend. So you go to your calendar, and then you check your email, and then you're on social media, and then you're buying something you forgot because you need to, you know, restock whatever the thing is that's out. And the next thing you know, you're done. That's what happens. So like that, like that is the enemy it to totally spirituality. Pulls you out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love the this line from Rich Velotis, um, if I'm pronouncing his last name right. Uh, he was asked about distraction through prayer time. He's like, what do you do if you're just distracted away from God a hundred times and you have to come back? And his line was, that's a hundred times you get to come back to Jesus. <laughs> and I, that's so much, it gives me so much grace because I'm like, oh, not only does he get distracted, someone that is way, he's like a ninja prayer warrior, but I can think of it in terms of like the prodigal son, you know, coming back to dad. You get to do that a hundred times in prayer time. How sweet is that? And and who's Jesus? Not like, seriously, again? He's like, dude, lean in, let's yeah. go. Yeah, I, I think that's really good and helpful for starting. Like that goes to the point, it's not about performance, it's about practice. So you, you're gonna get interrupted a thousand times, you know, keep coming back. I think that's exactly it. And it will get easier to be less distracted. So part of the reason we're so easily distracted are the things in our lives that we shouldn't bring into that space. Part of it is the internal distraction. We have been formed by habits that make us, uh, what the MIT professor said was a continuous partial presence, right? Or attention, continuous partial attention. That idea is not by accident. We have that because we have been formed by these habits that allow us to have a conversation and text people or to watch a movie and to check out on social media. Like that's what we do. We don't know how else to interact. So there are things we can do to help get rid of the internal clutter so that we are more present to the Lord. And that, But that will only happen when we choose to enter into the secret place, mm -hmm. to make one, to build one, to construct time with God. So at some point you start very simply five minutes, you get distracted a thousand times, but eventually it's going to grow. And that's the goal. And what I want to say is it's not growing for performance. It's growing for union. It's growing for intimacy. You know, how can Martin Luther, the great reformer say, I'm so busy. I need to spend three hours in prayer. Like that seems like wasteful for those who don't know the power of the secret place. Yeah. What do you say then to someone who's like, I've tried this and there's just nothing. I'm sitting here. I'm waiting. I don't hear anything. I don't feel anything. What do you say then to I, that? I would say, take it outside. Go on a walk. Don't have your phone and just go commune with God. Like I, That's what I would say. I would say, read a psalm and go on a walk. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times we sit in these places, like this is a great example of like boys and girls. Um, there's clear differences and raising boys, the energy level of the boy is so wild. Am I right? It's up there. Raising it's a boy up there. And, and Energizer like, Bunny got nothing on The boys. idea of like having an hour conversation with a boy, like sit down and look at me, like in two minutes, it's a thousand different directions, right? But, but if I were to go and jump on the trampoline and have a conversation or go ride bikes or skate with Ezra or Amos, like we will go deep. It's so crazy. So in the same way, if that's your personality, make your alone time, your secret place a walk alone, you know? I wonder too what that could be inviting you and like telling you about your state of like, like your mental or physical state. Like if you're sitting there and constantly thinking about like the lists or the to-dos or this person or that thing you didn't mean to say or, or whatever, I just wonder too, like what it could look like to bring that into the secret place and 
like that would be like a beautiful place to process that because I'm one who gets really distracted or if something's really heavy on my heart, I'll bring that into, into that. But then I'm also curious between prayer and then silence and solitude, because there's also just the gift of silence. And so you're not bringing your agenda. You're not bringing. So I say that with also the balance of maybe the gift in that moment is to release those things. That's Um, such, that's a really good point, Amy. And I think why not start if that's where you're at? Like, mm-hmm. this is where it's so good to say it's grace, grace, grace. Start with where you are. What if you just bring every, what if your silence and solitude right now, as you start, is just bringing your list to God? Here are all the things that I carry. Here's the week of burdens, like the chores, the, the waking up, the exhaustion. Like, you talk about being a mom. Like, you can't wake up and do an hour of quiet time at 4 30 a.m. in the morning because if you did, you would be less useful as a mom th- by three in the afternoon. Like think about that. Like that's a limitation. Yeah. So embracing the stage of life is key, but also embracing where you are. So if you haven't even started silence and solitude or creating that secret place, learning how to start with where you are. Cause what we do, I see this all the time is we think God wants to show up. We, God wants us to show up as a spiritual being that's really smart and spiritual and talks the language that's not what he wants to meet. He wants, he, that's not who he wants to meet. He wants to meet us in the concern, in the heaviness, in this, in the fear, in the overwhelming experience of stress. And if that's what you bring to God, like if my kids brought that to me and as, as a dad, I'd be like, I got you, bud. Like, I'm going to help you walk through this. And, and then, you know, as, as I walk them through that, it's going to just be, it's going to be something different. So I think that's a good thing. Start with where you are and bring it to God. Yeah. Um, I was in a house church recently and we were having the uh, discussion group. And this was after um, the first Jesus people talk about the kingdom. Uh, And we're like analyzing the kingdom. What does it mean? And, you know, it's this elusive thing and trying to ground it in reality. And meanwhile, there's one of the dads, he was pushing his his, like toddler around in the stroller and like looking over, wanting to be part of the group, you know? And I'm like, perfect example. Joe's operating in the kingdom just by being a dad. His spirituality at the moment didn't have to look like the rest of us. It doesn't have to look like jumping up and down uh, and and like, I don't have to have the language. I don't have to have it all figured out. Just do the, the thing and like kind of like release the rest of the stuff. You know, I, I as a dad, you can probably relate to like not having the access that you want. Like I'm up with the baby I, instead of like being with my friends and chatting or, you know, whatever it is. And when it comes to like being engaged with a church service or a prayer time and like kids, like you're ruining. No, I can just be a dad and be that. Actually, that reminds me of you, Amy, when you had your kid with you on the youth camp. Uh, and we had that conversation bef- from before and you talked so sweetly about the limitations, but also how much better the experience was as a mom with the limitations. Yeah, I think the thing I was wrestling with was this like desire to want to worship or be in the prayer gathering or be in what I would consider these more like spiritual spaces and then genuinely feeling like frustrated of like, I can't. Like there was a time where I had to like walk out of the prayer room because Charlie is one and a half and he doesn't want to sit and be quiet and pray with us. Um, and there was part of me that was getting frustrated until I like stopped fighting it. And instead just like took those moments where I, I am just as near to the father's heart in this moment with my son than I am in this worship gathering or in this prayer gathering. Um, but there was this like natural, like, no, that's more spiritual. Um, but yeah, yeah. 
I, that's good. I think spirituality, I, what I, I've said and before, it, it has to be grounded in the physical or, or, or you could say spirituality has to be grounded in reality. So when I think of parents with little ones, like I keep coming back to this because I feel like we have a lot of parents and we have a lot of people who are trying to follow Jesus and we do these practices. But in some ways, like these practices are designed for like either singleness or a perfect curated life. And you're never going to have that. So embracing the limitation you have and the roles you have, like, you know, as, as we talked about singleness on Sunday, we talked about marriage a little bit, but as parents, like embracing the limitations that your parents, your kids bring and seeing that as an act of worship, as your spiritual formation, right? I talked about like the spiritual gymnasium, like it's where you're going to develop your Christ likeness. That's going to be very different. So just honoring that, you know, and, and being okay with that. Um, and I, I think, I just, I, I had this experience, I'll share this. Um, I got to go speak at a conference called New Wine. This is in 2018. And it was like massive. It's 15,000 people go camping in, in the UK and you go out. And I was speaking every day for seven days in the big tent. And it was like 10,000 adults. And I'll never forget, I preached on healing one day and we were watching all of these healings happen. It was insane like prophecy you know like it was like signs and wonders type of stuff at this as big as you can imagine tent like it was insane and i had brought my amos who was 13 months old and ezra who's four and alex was basically like watching the kids from like 5 a.m until about when i got done at like 10 a.m or 11 a.m and and she's like i need i, I remember coming back from this epic event where it's like ah like people are you know getting knocked by god it was amazing and she's like, I'm so tired of this. I need to go right now. Like she hit her limit. She, she hands me Amos and he's like, you need to change his diaper. Ezra's hungry. You need to make him PB and J. And I'll, I just remember like the contrast of like standing on a stage, preaching, seeing God move and then coming back to reality. And I remember in that moment, God saying, this is what grounds you. Like this will never ground you. This is what grounds you. And I love it because like that that's a perspective that I carry now of like what matters is the mundane, the ordinary, the roles, the parenting, the the kid who you cannot control, no matter how hard you try, and where your spiritual life is in those moments is real, you know. So learning to be patient, learning to be kind, all of those are that that's what I mean by spiritual practice. This you have something else to add? Well, I just was going to say, you used the story um, of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And what, while it's not like the main purpose of the story, it does show like that, like the interruptions happen. Mm -hmm. And I just think through that, and I'm even curious, like we talk about, okay, keep focused, don't get distracted, don't get interrupted. And there's so much that you can do to prevent that. But then there are moments where like an interruption is going to come and like, and there's a way to bring the kingdom in that interruption that like, it's not an interruption. Yeah, good. I mean, almost every interruption that Jesus has, you see like a miracle as a result of the interruption. But I think the point being, he was interruptible. So there's something about his disposition, disposition was he could, he had an agenda, but he was willing to be interruptible. There wasn't an anger that came out. There wasn't a disappointment. There wasn't a passing over of the one. He, he made space for that. And when he didn't get alone time, which is what that Mark six story shows, he found a way to get it. So it wasn't like, and, it, and that's, that's the other thing is like, it was quite immediate. It wasn't like, I'm going to get it next week. It was like, I'm going to stay up all night so that I can be with the father. Yeah, that's good. And that, that's where it's like you, we have to have a, a rhythm of engagement and withdrawal 
to, to, to this secret place. Like, and the more, and this is what I think for pastors, the more engagement you have, the more you need for solitude and silence. Like, so the more you're giving of yourself publicly, the more private devotion you need to have. And that's where you can't podcast, Instagram, social media display that. It just has to be part of your rhythm and conviction. So I heard similarly with confession recently, like the more that you become like Jesus, you would think that you have less to confess, yes. but you actually have a deeper need for confession. Yeah. Like more, you're more quick to be like, oh gosh, like what, that, what was that? I'm, that that's, you're discontent with, with any part of like unholiness. I wonder how, not just with, silence and solitude but with all disciplines like how much more like as you journey and desire to become more like jesus and become more like jesus you actually realize like, gosh i need i need to pray more like not yeah. need to pray more no, it's like yeah. but like your heart is t- bent towards prayer it's not yes yeah this is that's exactly like so i see it as the more mature you get the less their disciplines right the more they're that's just natural yeah so like Paul will say, pray without ceasing. It starts with, I got to learn how to pray. And it's like lists and journals. And then next thing you know, you're having conversations with God as you walk or, you know, doing the dishes. Next thing you know, like now your attention is always aware of God's presence. Like that, the goal is that direction. So fasting becomes a way of life. It's it's not something that's constant discipline. It's something that you've chosen into the rhythms of your life. Sabbath is a day that you've created and if of rest. You you put these disciplines, like reading scripture, like you can't imagine not engaging in the scriptures every day. Like this is part You're of like your habits. Hunger yeah, for yeah. It increases yeah. that's as you it. Read it. Yeah. And I would agree with that because I feel like I used to confess a lot as a, you know, a young man. And I hear this a lot, like there's bigger sins that you think are big and you're like, oh, confess over and over again. You have these accountability groups and then you get married, you have kids and there's way more confession now, way more in my life. I'm so much more aware of sin and brokenness and false self, ego self, triggered self. It's a long list every day. (laughs) So I agree. And we'll get into that next time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's gonna need like seven parts just for the confession. Just for the confession, yeah. I love I love the space that we get to have yeah. these conversations, and I'm looking forward to the next time that we get to unpack and just go a little bit deeper. Uh, Daniel, what are some ways that people can get connected with Garden Church? Yeah, so you can obviously listen to this podcast here, listen to our Garden Church podcast. Also, find us online, so at garden.church online. Um, you can find us there, find us on Instagram at garden.church as well. Um, and we're doing our best to be able to share everything that's happening here and going on, and we're excited to invite people into the story. Yeah. Thank you for this time. Thank you for the wisdom and the gift that you guys are for our community. Um, Thanks for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe and tell your friends.